Hello. Happy Tuesday. Back on Streamlabs. I'm really happy. I love this. Uh, the Victorian stuff. It's kind of playing around with it last night. Happy uh, Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to the 15-Minute Rev. Dr. Missy Hood. I'm fading a little bit of Danny Gokey out there. Hope you're having a good week. I can kind of feel our sense in the atmosphere. A lot of the fatigue still obviously we're still going through so a lot of good things i've got some good news in store for a lot of you and um kind of dreading giving this word today actually um god gave me a really hard word today and i'm just like good gosh when is it going to stop <laughs> and so I, I have deep compassion myself on the uh on the bride i have deep compassion on the bride but uh god's I sense that the Lord, he's a very loving God. Let me preface this with this. First of all, God is a very loving God. But I think what the church has forgotten is that they've only seen or wanted to hear about the grace part of God. So they've watered down the gospel. The church has really watered down the gospel. And now we're seeing the truth side of God. And he's not happy. He's not happy with the lack of obedience that he's seeing in the church. And so this is kind of a, a reflection of what's coming through in these words. And so today's title is called Chaos and Dust and the Disconnected Sheep, Celebration for the Bride, Prepare for the New. Now that to me is good news. That's really good news. And when actually when I started off my time with the Lord today, I started off in a vision and I was overlooking uh, Jerusalem again on the porticos and <clears throat> I didn't understand it. And actually, pardon me, I felt like when I started seeing the vision overlooking Jerusalem, because I was seeing all these cars drive around, and it was a big dust ball. It was just a complete big dust ball where the cars started turning their lights on in the dust, thinking that was going to help them to see. And I thought, oh, that must be the bride trying to find her way through this hard place. No, it's not. It's the disconnected sheep. And so I was real surprised to learn that at the end of that vision. And so I'll get into that when we get into this conversation today. But, you know, I can sense as well, I can sense that everything's coming to a close, thank God, um, and that all they're trying to do, the Lord says, all that they're trying to do to you, the enemy will fail because they've sought to gain leverage through man's way instead of mine. And then I started sensing this rage from the enemy, just an incensed rage where the enemy's incensed at God's people or the bride or the remnant that got inside. And so stay with me and uh, I'll explain and unpack some of this to you because I, I, I don't know what to think about it. I'm just going to read what he said to me today. But um, and don't be mad at the messenger. I'm just telling you what he's saying. If you don't like it, you can you can swipe on. It's OK. It's your prerogative. There's no harm, no foul here. Not going to be offended. But you can't change the truth of God. And see, this is what I'm sensing about the religious side of the church right now. When they don't like the truth, they get mad at the messenger and they try to, in their malice, because of their, their screwed up heart conditions, they try to take it out on the messenger. If you don't like the truth, if it's scaring you, most likely uh, anger is the symptom of the root of fear. So I have to ask you, what are you afraid of? That you're wrong? Because the way to tell if you're in alignment or not is to see if your prayers are getting answered. If your prayers aren't getting answered, 
That's a good indicator someone needs to get realigned and get into deliverance ministry. So God is trying to use that as an indicator to show you what needs to be done. To quit going in circles. That's what he's trying to get you to keep dri- quit driving around the city of Jerusalem thinking that if I do this, if I turn my lights on brighter, that'll work. No, it's not working. He's telling you to do a specific thing. Get deliverance. And then actually I heard another prophet today, Marcus, I believe it's Pastor Marcus. He's a, a black gentleman and he's a high level prophet and he's right on. And he's, I thought I was, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, am I hearing you right, God? Yeah, I'm just saying what he's saying. But he was talking about this is why we've seen deliverance ministry just it it's blows blow through the roof. I mean, God is blowing up deliverance ministry all around us because he wants us to get cleaned up. So this is the vision I saw, and I'll get into the word for you today. But it's, I was looking over Jerusalem and I was looking at a beautiful sunset. And if you know anything about a sunset, it occurs when the day comes to a close and everything around me. I noticed was really, really different because there was a vast difference between the city I was looking at below versus the portico. In the portico area, there were these beautiful chiffon drapes blowing in the wind, and the, the stones were this pure white, and everything around me was pure white, which is really different too, because usually it's a garden area. But then I looked at the vast difference between the area I was standing in versus the city below, and the city was in chaos. There was a du- It was a dust bowl. Complete dust ball. So I noticed the difference right away. So I was standing looking at the city and I very specifically heard the word land. And as well, I want to preface this with this. I was feeling the wind of God blow across me on the portico. And that stood out to me. The wind was blowing and the curtains and it was blowing. And I noticed that. But the, also there was a turbulent wind down below. So this is interesting today. The whole conversation is very interesting between the bride and those who have been disobedient and haven't come inside. And I knew that there was a storm. The dust bowl was a storm that the enemy was kicking up all over the city and and on God's people. Pardon me, those who had chosen to stay below. That's what the city stood for when it was sitting below. So God said this to tell his bride, I'm with you. Through all of this. That means for those who have not chosen to come inside. God is still with you. So don't fret. Do not be afraid. Because some places might be hard to navigate. For the obedient bride who has chosen to come inside. You're coming out from under all of this chaos. Okay. You can probably feel the shift that started about four or five days ago. I want to say it started last Thursday, last Thursday, where I felt a dramatic shift and things calmed down. That's proof in the pudding that you've come up above this mess. Thank God. So for those who have chosen to stay below, they turned their lights on bright in order to see, but it was still difficult, which is why two weeks ago, if you remember me telling you, Jesus stated that we were entering into a season where the warfare would begin to grow into a place where only he could navigate our way forward. And all who had not been obedient are not included in that group. The obedient group, there's two people groups. I'm going to specify that. 
which infuriates them at any speaker who continues to make them feel as if they're being punished. And I was surprised to write that last statement because of the conversation that's going to come up later, because God very specifically he specifically mentions, yes, you are being punished for not listening. Now, you may disagree with me as a religious person, say God would never do that to me. Oh, yes, he will. There are consequences for sin. There are consequences for disobeying God. And I know a lot of hearts are saying, well, how long is this going to go on? I don't know until you get aligned. I don't know. That's between you and God. But I'm just conveying the word to you. Don't get mad at me. So this is a consequence for not listening. So then the vision continues where Jesus walked out onto the portico with me and we began looking out over the city of his people together. And he was very, very quiet. He had a very stern look on his face, which prompted me to ask, what are you thinking about, God? What's on your mind? And the Lord said this. He said, I'm wondering how long my people will continue to do things their own way. When I'm right here, right here, waiting for them to draw near, but they can't come near in grave clothes because of the demons attached to those clothes. And demons are not not allowed in my presence unless I summon them, lest they come before me as a judge. So you've limited yourself. And that's the problem. And God sees the mess that's being created below. And he's like, if they'd only come up out of their grave clothes. Because you've entered into a season, says the Lord, with some heading towards rest while others are entering chaos. And the vehicles they're using are not equipped for the days ahead. It's like needing an off-road vehicle to climb a mountain, but driving a Volkswagen, which stood out to me. If you know anything about a Volkswagen, it's, it's a little tin can kind of a car. And there's no, nothing equipping it to climb over rug, rugged terrain or anything like that. And then my vision changed. And I began to see the throne room of the king where all these angels were dancing. And this was a first too. As I began to see cloud of witnesses dancing. I've never seen that before. Whew. And they were praising the king with banners everywhere but they were all silver. So I looked up the prophetic meaning of silver, which is a symbol of purification. The process of heating silver to burn off the dross and other imperfections is a metaphor used throughout scripture. God's word itself is described in value beyond silver. The promises of the Lord are pure, like silver refined in a furnace and purified seven times, Psalms 12.6. The purification process was sometimes used as a symbol for the way God tests and refines people. You've tested us, O God. You've refined us in the same way silver is refined. Psalm 66.10 and Isaiah 48.10. A silversmith would have, have to attentively watch the silver, getting it to just the right heat in order to purify the metal. And God also watches over us as he puts us through fiery trials, never leaving us for an instant and only allowing the situation to progress to the point where it is helpful 
for our sanctification. And then Jesus and I began to talk again. And he stated again, all things are coming to an end as you once knew them. As I'm beginning to close out all the things the enemy had in store for you. For those of the bride who chose to come inside to abide in my presence. Those are the ones in the throne room before you. So, you know, I sensed when I was in that throne room, I started sensing this sense of oldness the wisdom of God in the air or the ancient presence of God's fullness as it began to fill up the throne room. As then the silver all around me began to turn white, the same white that I saw on the portico to look down at the city below. And then I thought about the wind and Wind can mean that our souls need to be alive and they can only be alive if we connect rightly to the spiritual realm. The wind is believed to symbolize the presence of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts 2.2. It is implied that during the day of Pentecost that a strong wind blew right from heaven before the fire that represents the Holy Spirit fell on believers. It suggested that the wind could have been the four winds from heaven that carried the Holy Spirit on their shoulders. Because everyone in God's presence was at that moment in the throne room beginning to dance and celebrate God, but still concerned about those who were down in the city below trying to find their way back to Yahweh. Because there are holy winds and unholy winds blowing now. And we have to make sure we're moving with the correct wind. And what came into my spirit when I was just reading that as well, there's a lot of people in the church now, to me, that are freaking out. They're totally freaking out because they're finding out they got behind. They got behind in time. And they thought that they were doing the right thing in the time that they were in. But what they weren't doing was getting cleaned up so they could enter in. And so... Now they're angry at the prophets or those of us speaking. And so they're showing their hearts, heart conditions by uh, the things that are manifesting around them. But you need to be very careful about that in this hour, because the Lord says, when I said, touch not mine anointed, if you've got issue, don't take it up with my prophets. Take it up with me. Be big enough and be woman enough to come before the king. Because the Lord says your issue is not with my voices that I'm using to try to help you readjust yourself. Your issue is with me when you put yourself on the shelf, says the Lord. Not them. You. The Lord says own your crap. Own your stuff. And your disobedience too. So this moves us into Isaiah 10, 1 through 11, 16. And it's talking about the greedy gain the the leaders who were out for greedy gain not just in the church don't think i'm just talking to the church but it was a day of punishment where the leaders on all seven mountains had lost sight of who their provider was and had become greedy for gain and where they were robbing god's people in order to build their own kingdom until god's judgment fell on the nation where the rich were making themselves richer including the church 
but weren't teaching the sheep how to get free so they too could prosper. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. So there was a lot of flesh focus there. A lot of flesh focus. We're seeing in that statement a lot of people who hadn't gotten cleaned up because had they gotten cleaned up, they would have gotten up out of that rut and they would have stopped doing what they were doing so they wouldn't have gotten judged by God. So a lot of flesh focus there. So what will you do in the day of punishment? What, what good is it if all your wealth can't save you? You've, you've amassed all this wealth for nothing, and yet it's all fixing to be taken away from you. Especially if you're not prepared to meet God. You see, just because you haven't died yet, doesn't mean God doesn't want to meet and inspect you as a people group. And if you know anything about what I was talking about the last couple weeks, God told us four years ago he was coming to meet with us. And there have been three times so far in history where God has come down to meet with his people. Have you thought about this? He's come to meet us when he came down in the form of a man. He died on a cross came up in resurrection power. And then he came again when he came in his first glory. We saw these Zusa Street revivals, things like that happen with that first glory. And now he's coming in the latter glory. This is what we're just entering in. This is where revival is going to begin again. And then the fourth time is when Jesus will come back as a man again, as a heavenly king. So when a king comes in the room, aren't you required to do a few things? Things specifically to get dressed and be prepared to meet with him, to sup with him. Remember, he's knocking at your door all the time, not just showing up with uh, the homeless person on the corner to see if you'll feed him, although that is true. He's seeing If you're still paying attention, you're keeping your lamps lit, attaining new wine. You can come through. This is what helps you meet with him. And each time, we're called to get ready, get prepared to meet with the king. Yet, here we are, still having sheep driving around in their Volkswagens, as though they're going to climb God's mountain. You know, what got them and got them stuck, the people, what got the people stuck was their own pride. And Warren Warren Willsby stated, and this is actually depicting Assyria and how they were used as a tool for God to punish Israel. Unlike Biden is being used against America and as America's King Saul. The story does turn around, by the way. There's good news that's coming. And, you know, if you anything about the enemy, the enemy will always act very proud in their conquest when they take a people group that they know was God's best. And so God is forcing this people group, us all, we all get to go through the test together, no matter how big or tall or small you are in kingdom. But it's a, it's, it's a humbling experience to be punished by a holy God for fleshly and evil activities. But even more irritating to some of us is that some of us were doing 
what God said. The myths were obeying the king. And yet here we are going through because of a few rockheads who didn't think. And they were just being sheeple following any old thing. Because they weren't getting cleaned up and so they didn't discern. They couldn't discern the truth from a lie. And then they get ticked off at people like me who call you out of the old by and by and hold you accountable when what we're all now having to go through because of the disobedient few. And actually, it's not a few. It's a lot. It's three-fourths. I'm going to get to that in a second, too. But this is a hard word. I told you it was a hard word. So God was showing who was who, who was God's, and who was not. And versus who had chosen to serve old Slewfoot, or themselves. So you can't serve two masters. You're either serving one. Or you're serving the other. And you may think you're okay. Because demonic realities feel just as real. As a holy reality. They feel just as normal. And and but then. doesn't I don't know about you. But for me. When you're in a demonic reality. It's covered in cursings. So that should be a wake up call to anybody. That something's off. Something's wrong with the place you found yourself within. And only you then can make the choices to enter in. You have to make some choices to do readjustment phases with the Lord. And so like Nineveh, who was captured by Babylon in 612 BC, if you know anything about Nineveh, it was comparable to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Jonah rejected going and he could have cared less if revival was going to come to that land because he was truth. He was a truth prophet. So he told God, no, no, I'm not going. He was mad at the people. And he knew God was probably going to change his mind and save the people, which he did. But he was a truth prophet and he was really angry at the disobedience of the people. So we're hearing the other side of the story now. There's a consequence for disobeying God. Even the prophets Go through just like the disobedient sheep do. You see, nobody gets out of this stuff. Don't you understand? Nobody gets out of being held accountable by God. Nobody gets away with anything in this life. We're either going to comply and come inside and we're going to do what he wants us to do so we can abide and have a good life. That's all he wants to give you. It's a good life. That's what I believe Jesus was saying to me on the portico. They're still driving around down there. They're doing, they're cutting their their headlights on and off thinking maybe this will change my circumstance. Here, roll the window down. Let's let some dust in here as though you can't already not see. So just like the sheep that got stuck on stupid Jonah got to go swim with some whales because he was so angry at the people of Nineveh. And personally, I think Jonah felt like those people deserved what they got because of the rebellion towards God. But how could he do that too? Because he was in just as much rebellion. So we've got leaders doing this now. He was a leader. We've got leaders doing this now. We've got the sheep behaving in rebellion now. Kind of like most truth prophets today. I think some of the truth prophets that are obeying, they don't say it. But I think they're irritated. They're just keeping it quiet because they don't want to turn people off. I'm just obeying the Lord. He told me to say exactly what he's told me to say. He's annoyed. God is annoyed 
as are the people who have obeyed. We're annoyed because we did what God told us to do, which makes the rebellious sheep mad. So truth prophets have to sugarcoat everything for the sheep who got locked outside to be able to deal with the thing. Actually, we don't care anymore. Love it or leave it. But they got themselves locked outside instead of going in with the bride because they were so full of their own pride. And they never thought God would allow these consequences to happen to them. But the truth of this is that a lot of these sheep with rocks for brains who have been disobeying for years on end. Some of you may be thinking, oh, Dr. Missy, I can't believe you used terminology like that. No, keep your thoughts to yourself. I'm going to say what God says. Because a lot of these people, a lot of these leaders have been sinning for years on end, doing a lot of these things, stealing from other people, committing fraud, pedophilia, all these things, and thinking they would never be held accountable before a holy God. And some people might be saying, oh, Dr. Missy, you're flogging a dead horse. No, I'm obeying the Lord. He gave me a word again today. He's obviously trying to drive his point home because some people aren't listening. And he was concerned on the portico, overlooking the people. So obviously he cares about them. He cares about you enough to tell you the truth, even in your suffering. And if this is not you, then dismiss my conversation. I've got a great word for the bride. Keep listening. But these people because of their own arrogance and thinking that they were above God. That's what it is. It's pride. So they didn't enter in. They continued on in their sin, never thinking that God would one day force consequences onto them. So you see, some of you sheep don't have a right to get offended at all. At all. Not by the hard words that come at you today because of your lack of obedience. And how it's caused so much chaos around you all. And not just around you all now, around all of us. And a few of us are mad, angry, that we're having to go through this crap with you. Although I know God's going to use it for my good. Because we're called the remnant. We're the obedient few. God had warned all of you for years to change. Or be at least willing to change. And you thought you knew more than God. Causing all the chaos in the nation. On all seven mountains. In and around innocent sheep who did obey. We did do what God commanded us to do. Yet here we are picking up after you. So yes. I do feel like this is justice against many of you. I do. It's what happens to people who live life thinking there will never be consequences for actions. And no, I'm not the prodigal son's brother. Nor am I a prodigal son. I'm a woman who continually chooses to live life like a watchman does. Trying to do what my God has done. I'm not holier than thou. Because this is the place of truth that I stand within. But I asked the Lord about that. I wanted to make sure I wasn't in pride either. And he said, Missy, this is 
the place that you're standing with all the spiritual laws, it's a few, it's a place that very, very few will ever walk within. That's why the bride is so small on this level now, because very few could grasp the shift in the spirit when it came and commanded us to shift four years ago. It was so subtle. I believe that was the difference between the holy reality and the unholy reality, but it was also a test. It was a trust test to see who would enter in, to trust God to go where no man had ever gone before, which takes us into the latter glory. And so a lot of people decided to stay in the same old story. But it's also because I saw the signs of people during this time, and and I look back now as even a, hopefully a part of the bride. I think we are because of all the different signs, wonders, and miracles now that we're starting to see. But what I'm seeing now, and it's really concerning to me, so I understand why Jesus was concerned on the portico. Because what I am seeing are signs of people who were supposed to be eagles, but chose to be chickens because all they did was squawk instead of learning how to fly. So this is the good news, though. I have good news for the true bride. And man, is God protective of you. He is protective of people who truly serve him, and they come into the new. When you dwell close to a holy God and people start putting their mouth on you, I'm telling you, God says what he means, and he means what he says. Obviously, we're seeing that show up on the disobedient few. But many of you will not be going through, says the Lord. Again, from the beginning of the conversation, you're coming up and out. Your testing is coming to a close. You are stepping into a place where nobody knows because they haven't ever walked here before. But for those who have not, Lord says some of you will be falling away because you will choose again to stay in your dismay. Those who do get back up, I pray that you do. I really do. And I pray that you move on through because God has some good news for you. If you remember correctly, Saul was replaced by David, a 45. So that means America now is getting another chance for the few in revival to come inside. And just like God wanted Israel to see how their recklessness almost cost them their country. But this is because of the obedient remnant that God had raised up to help them and help them to return to the land. See, God is not bias. He says, what I do for one, I do for all. But you've got to choose to participate lest you fall. And regardless of what I saw in my vision out on the portico of heaven, the one thing I observed of the Lord was his concern as he watched all the disobedient sheep try to drive around thinking, well, maybe if I turn my bright lights on, I can drive through this spiritual mess. 
And Lord says, not this time. Not this time, because making it through this is going to require you to get redressed. I don't know how many ways God has to say this. You're not going to come inside without deliverance. That is the main key to coming higher. That's the only key. It is the only key. Dealing with yourself. So while God is dealing with the king of Assyria or Biden around a lot of you, cutting him down to size to prepare God's people for the Davids or for the day, main David. And he's not our, he's not our king, by the way, David is not our king. David was a king in Israel, but the David I'm referring to is 45. He's not our God. Um, but what God is looking for in this hour are people who have a heart like David and they're willing to dance before the king. Even if naked, They're, the nakedness of David refers to his vulnerability, his intimacy with God, his authenticity, his true identity. He knew who he was. He was the son of the true king, and he was raised to rule and reign. So the Lord says, like my angels or cloud of witnesses dancing in my throne room. They could have cared less who was observing, says the Lord. They just wanted to be in the room, praising me, because I had shown them eternity. They'd gotten a glimpse of the land. And so the Lord says, yes, there is hope for the future, as God's bride is repositioning herself for the new. This is the new shoot of David from the ancient ways of Yahweh that has entered the room. And then the Lord, I saw a vision after this, and this kind of alarmed me. It did alarm me, as a matter of fact. Um, the Lord, I was reading the scripture about how, when the Lord was describing the new Jerusalem and how different things would be happening, no harm would touch you. And I saw this child. There's a scripture that says, children will stick their hands inside the nest of vipers, and they will not be bitten. They will not be harmed. And the minute I heard that scripture, this vision popped up in front of me with all these cobras around the bride. And that concerned me. And then the Lord said, give them this strong warning. This is for the Pharisees, says the Lord. For all you Pharisees out there who think you know, know anything about anything, yet you're the ones who are the main culprits in this mess. This is a strong warning from the Lord to protect the bride of Christ. For the religious cobras trying to spew their venom onto the bride, the Lord says this, Do you really think I would let you come inside to spew your poison onto my beautiful bride? No, no, not at all. Because if you dare put your mouth on her, I will strike you down before your words ever hit the ground. Then you'll become the thing you've tried to make of my bride and your jealous pride when you only described your own heart. It's the way you've been and looked at me from the start. You have disdained for me, says the Lord. Therefore, I've rejected you. When you too could have gotten cleaned up to come inside, but because you thought you knew more than I, I have tossed you aside along with your arrogant invitation to invite yourself into a place 
without my permission or grace. You're not welcome here, says the Lord. So stay outside, because if you touch my people, you won't live long enough to try to even begin to hide. So beware, says the Lord. Which brings us to 2 Corinthians 12, 11 through 21, where we're talking about permission. Everything that happens in our life, even this test we're walking through right now. And by the way, I don't set these things up. These are the topics that come up throughout the time that I have with the Lord. But he's talking about Satan having to ask for permission to attack Job or Peter, as well as Paul. He had to, he had to go to God first. He didn't just get to do whatever he felt like doing. But God permitted Satan to attack Paul very specifically because God wanted to keep Paul humble after his exciting visits to heaven. When you start coming in and out of heaven, you can get puffed up. I'm always asking our people, I'm always having to repent for any pride in my heart. Lord, forgive me for any pride because I don't ever want to lose the opportunity to come inside. That's how much I love going there. It's just so much fun. I love having my conversations with the Lord. I love finding out what he has to say about a thing. It's fun. It's fun to be in the know about things, but it's the loving will of God teaching us how suffering has a purpose and how it can't be fulfilled any other way. And so what came into my spirit when I saw this today, I thought, you know, when I'm going through a hard thing, you know, how you, you go through, you're starting, you're starting into the suffering itself and you're in shock. You're like, oh, what's going on? How did this happen? I don't know. That's how I approach it. I, I used to be even worse about it. I used to panic and have panic attacks. And then as I matured in the Lord, I started realizing there was a purpose in it. There's a reason for it. And what was the lesson God wanted me to learn? And instead of just being mad at God and spurning God, and acting like it's all his fault when usually I'd cause my own lot. But the way you approach it to me is if you can get to the place of accepting it and then being corrected by it, it becomes a blessing to you to help you step up into heavenly places. See, to me, when I read this <clears throat> and when I heard this, I typed it out after I heard it and, and, I started seeing the love of God towards his people, even though he's correcting us in a few things. Maybe not all of us. Hopefully I'm not getting corrected, but I can't help but feel like I'm being corrected when I'm doing what I feel like God's telling me to do, yet I'm still going through. And I'm not trying to be resentful. I'm being honest and telling you, it does miff some of us. It does miff us. But I know he's going to use it for my good too. But it helps us. The suffering helps us to become dressed like we were meant to be dressed to abide so that we can dwell near the king. And the Lord says, if you fight it, those attacks will only become heavy burdens to you because you'll be looking at the suffering from the wrong lens. That's usually a lens of the flesh. So you get to go through the test over and over again. And the only way to make it through suffering correctly, if you know anything about it, is through prayer. You're going to learn how to be a prayer warrior, just like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Because even Jesus knew that his suffering wasn't in vain. And so he was asking in his fleshliness with the apostles beside him, hey, can you not stay awake with me just for a little while to help me in this test? Can you not to help make it through the suffering so that even you can have my best, says the Lord. Resurrection power. Therefore, Jesus decided to enter in so he could bless all men who'd come to him and help seat himself for the hour and all eternity and to show men what suffering can do in creating heavenly things. That's a new place we've entered into as the bride right now. So there's, a great, there's great news here. There's always great news here. And the Lord was talking to me then about discipline from the Lord. And this is really what I want you to hear for those of you who are going through. When God chastises you, it doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Just like when your parents disciplined you. Did, did you ever think they loved you any less? I didn't. Because I knew my parents' heart. Just like I know my God's heart. I know whatever he takes me through, he'll always be good. It won't ever change that. But if you know the discipline of a parent, they're disciplining us and taking time to correct us is out of love for us. Don't ever question his goodness like like that in, in your circumstance that you've gotten yourself into. You need to own it. I tell our people this all the time. Own your crap. If you want to make people respect you in this life, own your crap. Take responsibility. It makes people see that you are mature. And then go to the Lord and repent. And let him start course correcting you. So punishment then comes with our cooperation to accept discipline in order to step into the higher things. Again, some of you will not be entering in because you're so full of yourself and so full of your flesh, you, you actually scoff at God and think, how dare you correct me? <laughs> After which I, I have to laugh. I'm thinking, okay, take another lap around that mountain. A couple more, if you will. Which brings us to Psalms 56, 1 through 13. And it's talking about David in the enemy country where he had prayed this prayer while in danger. And also while learning to praise his way through suffering. You've got to take on the tools of the Lord if you're going to make it through a test. You've got to apply his tools. The three things that David really, really learned during this testing time was God sees where you are. He's not blind. He knows how you feel. He's not incompassionate. He definitely hears you when you call. He wants you to include him in everything. Include him in it all. He wants to be a part of your life. And the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and if you try to do it alone, thank you, Holy Spirit. I was writing this in our, in our book. If you haven't checked, not to give our book a plug, but we talk about suffering in our book. Um, just a conversation away about when people try to do life alone. And they, they just think, oh, I have to be strong. I have to do all these things. And I have to be this and this and that. You can't be anything unless God helps you. You can't even take your next breath without God. 
So trying to go through suffering by yourself is foolish because it's all flesh-based. So God's saying, include me in this so I can show you my ways. And don't just look for an easy way out of your suffering because there are no shortcuts out. Oh, wow. Okay. So look to find the lesson so that it never happens again. I'm sorry, I'm in my office writing this. You heard the car horn outside. But the Lord says, it's why I brought you here. I brought you here to teach you lessons about kingdom. And, you know, I think for people, now there is one people group I have to give um, grace to. It's the people that probably would have come through. And, but I have to preface it with this as well, because it's all about who you're connected to, your roots and your fruits. If you're connected to the wrong people, leadership-wise, they're going to be leading you in what they think that they're hearing. What if they're off? What if they're off? And so this is where we get into the convolutedness of this conversation, where I have to tell people, you know, even in this time, um, I know we're, we're taught to trust our leaders to always make sure that, you know, everybody's aligned kind of a thing. But if you think God is telling you and you have a few people, not just you, that are hearing the same thing and that leader's off, then I'm going to tell you to follow God. Follow God because this is what God has been showing me the last two weeks. When we commit to follow a leader, we're committing like Jonathan and David. Loyalty. You're committing with your whole heart. But again, what if that leader gets off and your loyalty is to a man instead of God? So the Lord says, if you continue on down that pathway, <clears throat> everybody gets punished, not just the leader. So you all get to go through. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going through anything out of the normal that's necessary. Now, as a nation, we're going through right now because of a chosen few leaders, bad leaders. And so we're getting it all cleaned up, which starting starts in the house of God, which is also extending, extending into our education mountain, our government mountain, and all the other seven mountains as we're bringing this thing to a close. But be careful who you follow. I really will say that. Be very, very careful who you follow. And as we wrap up today, we're going to wrap up with Proverbs 23, 6 through 8. And I thought this was interesting what the Lord said. He said, quit being a sheeple. But being a sheeple, because it's sheeple that follow the wrong people. They just follow. They go wherever the rest of the flock is going. Okay, they're all going there. Okay, let's go here. And they may be all like diving off a cliff. Be discerning enough to sense when people, even people groups are going a wrong direction, led by wrong leaders. And this is what Proverbs 23, 6 through 8 states. Do not eat the bread of a man who's stingy and do not desire his delicacies. For he's like one who is inwardly calculating. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart's not with you. It's like he doesn't say what he means or mean what he says. 
He's speaking doublespeak. You will vomit up morsels that you have eaten and waste your pleasant words. Have you ever heard of the scripture, don't throw your pearls before pigs? I believe that that's what that means. So, anyway, happy Tuesday. Um, it's good to know what's going on within the world right now. I was having a conversation yesterday with somebody who had begun talking to me about the Ken Paxton thing here in Texas. I mean, we all know where that's coming. That's blue. That's blue activities. And so trying to force us into a blue state, that's not going to happen. So we're praying him up. But uh, it's hard to find the truth today. It's hard to find the truth. It's hard to find the truth in the news. It's hard to find the truth in the church right now because nobody wants to hear the truth. They get mad at the truth. They get mad at truth prophets. So we have to, we're not sugarcoating it for them, but um, we're not watering it down anymore actually either. We're being obedient to the king. So hopefully you're able to step into all truth, the God of truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you love the truth, we're to be lovers of truth. So hopefully that's you, and that's what to me is going to keep you inside. So you guys stay, stay safe. Have yourself a great Tuesday, and I'm going to go grab myself some lunch. And I'll catch you on Friday on the 15-Minute Raft.